uh, Mu'ad bin Jabal. Mu'ad bin Jabal was a Ansari Sahabi who was one of the favorite Sahaba of, uh, he was a young man, uh, he was one of the closest students of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He recorded Wahi, he was somebody who was under the personal khususi uh, tarbiyah of Rasulullah Sallallahu he was one of his favorite students. He, uh, he was also a person with a fantastic personality, he was very handsome, he was very strong as a great warrior. So Nabi Sallallahu picked uh, from the best of the youth of his Sahaba uh, to do the work of Dawah. So he sent Mu'ad ibn Jabal anhu to uh, Yemen as uh, his representative, as the governor, as the Qadi. And he said to him that you are going to people from the people of the book. So let the first thing to which you call them be belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, Tawheed. So he said, go and invite them to La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. And then he said, if they accept that, then tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined and made fard on them the five prayers every day and night, which are the five fard salawat. And if they pray, then tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fard on them zakat from their wealth to be taken from their rich and given to their poor. And if they agree to that, then take it from them. But there also he said, avoid the best of people's wealth. Now see the, uh, this is one of the most beautiful hadith uh, which illustrate the principles of da'wah. So see what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is saying. And this is direct tarbiyah in da'wah by the Prophet Sallallahu to somebody who he is sending specifically for da'wah. So there cannot be any da'wah instruction which can be superior to this whatsoever because no one can teach da'wah better than the one who was sent for da'wah which is the Nabi himself So what is he saying in this? Three cardinal principles. First and foremost, he is saying, invite the people. He did not say, go and argue with the people. He did not say, go and debate with the people. He did not say, go and fight with the people. Ma'ad bin Jabal was one of the greatest scholars of the Muslims. Rasulullah did not say to him, go and invite the bishops of Yemen to a public platform and own them. On the public platform, destroy them. Make them look like fools in front of their people so that their people will flock to you and they will reject their bishops. Did he say that? Why did he not say that? Not because Ma'ad bin Jabal could not have done that. He said that because he knew human psychology. And in human psychology, if you take somebody's leader who they love and you publicly insult him, people don't love you. They hate you even more. They do not like to see their leader humiliated. They will not leave the leader and come to you. They will stick to the leader even more. Rasulullah understood human psychology. 
So he did not tell Maad bin Jabal to go and give dawah in this way. He said, be nice to them, make friends with them. He sent a man who was by himself a person with a very attractive personality, very friendly, outgoing, a person with a big smile on the face who, who could make friends very easily and so on and so forth. So he picked the right person. He didn't pick somebody with a face that looked like he's permanently at a funeral with a bad smell under his nose. You know what I'm talking about, right? Many people have this kind of habit. The moment they start, they get into the work of Dawa, the first thing that vanishes from their face is the, is the smile. And the next thing that comes is, a, is, a, is, is the expression of a bad smell under the nose. And then they get a very stiff neck, so they are permanently looking down their nose at whoever is there. These are some major problems with us today when we go into the work of Dawa. We go into the work of Dawa with a sense of arrogance. I am superior to you, you are the one doing wrong things, you are the one this, 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 this. The point is that if you really are serious about dawah, please understand one thing. The same principle that we teach in selling skills. You can only sell to friends. You can only sell to friends, not anybody else. You want to sell something, get the guy to like you first. If he can't even stand your face, he's not going to buy anything from you, believe me. You need the person to like you. If he likes you, he will even buy coke from you. So what about selling to him a concept that frees him from the fire and enters him into Jannah forever? A concept that gives him the best in this dunya wal akhirah. How difficult is that? But provided you approach it the way Nabi Wasallam taught us to do. So the first thing he said to Mahabh bin Jabal, Radhe he said, make friends with them. Invite them. Is there any compulsion in invitation? Invite. And if your purpose is the person must accept your invitation, then how many times should you invite them? Until he accepts. Is there a limit? Yeah? Is there a limit? What is the usual limit in invitations? Our ego. Our ego. I invited you once, you didn't come. I invited you twice, you didn't come. I invited you three times, you didn't come. Are jaavero? Aap kya nahi bola? Are three vakat bola? Ten vakat bola? Aur neyati kya karenge? Jhag maro jao. To kya hoga uske apna our ego. How many times must I call you? Our ego. In in dawa there is no ego. In dawa there is no ego. It was a cold, bitter, wet night, pitch dark in Makkah. And late in that night, it's raining, heavy wind, bitterly cold. Somebody knocks on the door of Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl comes to the door thinking, who on earth is this at this time of the night in such a terrible, you know, state? He opens the door. Who does he find there? Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He said, "Ya Muhammad, what do you want?" He said, "Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu." Accept la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Abu Jahl said, "Are you mad?" He said, "You are crazy. What is this? This time of the night and this wind and cold and dark and all that you came. Why now?" Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I invited you all different times. I thought maybe this time you will accept." Yeah? 
Where does ego come from? Ego comes from our own understanding of ourselves. The bigger I think I am, the bigger my ego. With that definition, what should be the ego of the Ambiya? Colossal, right? Because they are the best of people. They are the best of people. But where is the ego of the Ambiya? Any Nabi. We have to seriously ask ourselves this question and say, this person? I mean, how do you go to someone again and again and again and again and again when you are rejected and rejected and rejected and each rejection is worse than the other? Why don't you give up? Why don't you simply say, look, there's no point? Because the focus is that person must come home. That person must come to me. So how many times do you go to sell something? Until the person buys. I always tell people the great secret of selling skills is what? Hit the road. <laughs> Hit the road. Who is the best salesman? The one, who's, the one who goes and meets the maximum number of people. There is no rocket science to this, believe me. You can't sell by making spreadsheets on the computer. You sell by hitting the road. You walk the streets until your shoes are holier than the Bible. They are full of holes. You go from person to person to person. That's how you sell. Anything, whatever. Same principle applies. How do you sell Islam? Within quotes. Go to the people. The person rejects you. So now what? So now I must go to him even more. I must figure out what is it that clicks with this person. There's no question of ego. No, the, the option that I will not go to this person because this person rejected me, that is not an option. If you are a salesman, if you are a saleswoman, if you are a salesperson, that is not, not selling is not an option. Because if you say not selling is an option, then you are not a salesperson. So you decide, if you are a Dai of Islam, and every single Muslim man and woman is by definition a Dai of Islam, whether you like it or not. It's not a question of putting a title and saying so and so is a Dai of Islam. I, I absolutely am, I'm totally allergic to all of these titles. People so and so is a Dai, what, what do you mean so and so is a Dai? You notice so-and-so is an eater of breakfast. Huh? Do you say that? So-and-so sleeps at night. So what's this so-and-so? Every Muslim is supposed to be a dai of Islam. So if we are dawat of Islam, then the number one thing to forget about is the ego. We are here to present Islam. And we will present Islam until it is accepted. And how will we do that? Without our ego. We go to the person in whatever way that person is to be approached. Not everybody accepts the message in the same way. So we develop a complete repertoire of skills of presenting the message. So Rasulullah is saying to Mahabhim Jawal Go and present Islam. Go make friends with them. Go talk to them. Present, invite them to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. If they accept, then what do you do? 
Then he said, connect them to Allah. Show them the sweetness of La ilaha illallah. Show them the benefit of La ilaha illallah. Show them that La ilaha illallah works. Show them that La ilaha illallah solves their problems. How do you do that? Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sta'inu bi sabri wa salah. Connect them to Allah. Get out from the middle. You accepted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one you worship, so worship Allah. Teach them salah so they can take from the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. What is the meaning of salah? We see salah as some burden to be discharged. You know, Many times I see my young brothers here, I, I deliberately do not tell you when you do it. And I'm telling you now in general and I'm looking away from the people who I should be talking to. So if I'm looking here, then they are there. If I'm looking there, they are here. And I'm looking in both places, you guess who it is. I see you, Alhamdulillah, you come and you pray for And then you walk away. My husnazan about you is that you are going home or wherever to pray the sunnah. I'm talking about sunnah mu'akkadah. But if you are not doing that, if you are simply praying the fard and walking away, then please understand you haven't even understood what is the meaning of salah. That salah has no sweetness for you. Why are you running away? Sunnah mu'akkadah is what Rasulullah did after every single fard salah. Whatever he prayed as sunnah mu'akkadah is what he prayed. Why do you leave that? The Aima, all the four Imams are agreed upon that the Sunnah Muakkadah must be prayed as if it is Fard. It's not Fard meaning if you leave it, you're not, you're not, you're not committing Kufr. But it is Fard in the sense that you must absolutely pray it before the time of that Salah is over. And of course it is more Afzal and it is better to pray it at home or in your office or wherever instead of the Masjid. So that Nabi Sallallahu Hadith where he said, do not turn your houses into graveyards, pray in your house also. So this refers to Nawafil, refers to Tahajjud, refers to the Sunnah. But if you are not praying the Sunnah, what does it mean about your attitude towards Salah? Seriously ask yourself this question. People who don't pray, don't pray. May Allah protect us from being the, among them and may Allah bring them and make them among those who pray. But those who pray themselves, people like you and me, ask yourself, what does this Salah give me? And if the Salah is not giving you anything, I won't say, why are you praying? You should still, you should still pray. But try and get what the Salah can give you. Because here is the sweetness of this thing. And if you are not tasting it, here is the situation where you are directly talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla So ask Allah. And Allah will give. As I mentioned, my Rabb jalla jalla is the only king who has treasure houses on which not only are there no guards, but he actually appoints people to, to invite others to take away. And these people are the Anbiya. And these people are the Dawat of Islam. What is your job? To empty the treasures of Allah. How can you empty the treasures of Allah? Your job is to teach people how to take from the treasures of Allah. That's what he's saying, Jalla Jalla to Mu'ad bin Jabal Invite them to La ilaha illallah, then teach them the sweetness of La ilaha illallah, which is Salah. And once they taste the sweetness of La ilaha illallah by praying, once they learn to take from the treasures of Allah, now see the hikmah of Nabi Sallallahu He says, tell them that zakat is for them. And then what did he say? Take from their rich and give to their poor. Now think about this even from the context of a 
from a political angle. In any country, the poor always, 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 always outnumber the rich, irrespective of the kind of society. In capitalism, in communism, in democracy or in all the different funny forms of democracy that we have, the poor always outnumber the rich. The poor always feel oppressed because they are oppressed. They are either directly oppressed or they are oppressed in the sense that they are deprived. So the poor do not hold a great view about the rich. They are envious of them, they are jealous of them, uh, they resent them and so on and so forth. So there is always this poor and rich tension. Why else do you have, when you build a big house, why do you have a security guard on the gate? Why do you have security cameras? Why? Because you are, you, you build a big house, it's a, it's a nuisance, the nuisance value exceeds whatever else it is. You live in a hut, you don't even need a door. So what is Nabi Sallallahu telling them now? He's saying, take from the rich and give to their poor. So now what is, this, what is the political situation? The political situation here is that here is a bunch of poor people who, are, who didn't have anything. Now because people started accepting Islam and because the rich people started accepting Islam, the economic status of the poor people now is enhanced, becomes better. They get more money, they, get, they are the recipients of charity, different kinds of uh, welfare schemes and, and so on and so forth happen. And those poor people now are better off because of Islam. So they are directly tasting the benefit of Islam. And obviously they think that, ah, here was this great Lord and here was this great rich man. He never gave me a cent. Now he's coming to my house and giving me money because he became Muslim. So there must be something good in this religion. So now you won over the hearts of the vast majority of the people because of how you dealt with the economic situation. Please understand, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not say, tell them to give zakat, take it, take it from their rich and send it to Medina. He didn't say that. He didn't say take it and repatriate the money. No. Give it to their own poor. And then, and this is the hikmat of the Nabi. And then, he said, when you take it, don't take the best of their things. Because at the end of the day, that rich man who became Muslim is still human. If he's got a whole stable of horses, there is some one horse he loves more than anything else. You have to, he has to give zakat one horse. Don't take that horse. Take another one. Dealing with people's emotions. Giving, having a leeway. And giving consideration to the fact that people love things. He said, don't, don't spoil that. Let him pay zakat. But don't tell him, give, give your best. Even though, when it comes to the winning the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَن تَنَالُوا بِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ Allah said, you will not reach that highest level of piety until you give what you love. But that is not for people who have just been invited to Islam. These are people who just come to Islam. So leave them alone for a while. Give them some time. Give them a break. Some time. Then the person comes and he loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he comes, Ya Rasulullah, what can I give? I, this is my best garden. Abu Talal Ansari. Ya Rasulullah, is my, the most valuable property in Medina. I want to give in the path of Allah. He says, Salaam, why, why are you giving this? He said, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, لَن تَنَعْلُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ 
So what does the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? Does he say take it? He said no. He said distribute that amongst your relatives. He could have taken Abu Talha Al-Ansari, brought it and gave it to him. Nabi Sallallahu could have taken it and kept it for himself. There is not a single Sahabi alive who would have objected. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi could have taken it and distributed it among the people of Sufa, who are poor people. He could have done whatever he wanted, he did not do that. He told Abu Talha Al-Ansari, sell the property and distribute it amongst your own relatives. Huh? So both, both things achieved. Charity is achieved, plus the whole family now is happy. Alhamdulillah, Abu Talha gave this in charity, but we didn't lose. It came back to the family. So everyone is happy. And the purpose of charity is also achieved. See the Hikmat Nabi So this hadith of Mu'ad bin Jabal Radhalanu, this is the this is the essence of Dawa. This is the essence of Hikmah. This is the essence of the wisdom of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Take from their rich and give to their poor and do not take the best of what they have. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalalhu to open our eyes and hearts to His Noor and His grace and to open our eyes and hearts to, the, to, the, to His love and to the love of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalalhu to accept all your du'as. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalalhu to uh, count you among those who will be counted amongst his muqarrabeen on the day of judgment inshallah wa sallallahu ala nabiyil kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajmain bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin wa alhamdulillahi